0: Hello, folks welcome to another edition of the CIC cast your podcast covering all things high school sports in the state of Connecticut or at least given it uh, the old college try to cover all things in high school sports in the state of Connecticut I am Joel Cookson and I'm very happy to be along with you here to uh, provide what should really be as we're kind of doing a a recap of the uh, 2016-17 season. This will be sort of our last week of of nostalgia. We're doing some things on CIACsports.com that we'll get to here, but we've got uh, a little bit of a special edition of the CIAC cast. First of all, this is our 80th episode, which uh, I thought was pretty cool that we're kind of doing this different thing for episode 80, but we began this tradition last year. So instead of our normal conversation that maybe you folks have gotten used to with our guests where we talk for 10, 15, 20, 25 minutes, however long we uh, we get our guests on, have all kinds of questions and a little bit more detailed conversations. This time what we're doing, we're reaching out to uh, a bunch of folks from around the state who cover high school sports, who are really in the trenches with this stuff. And basically we asked them just one question, which is to um, give us their game or story or moment or anything that really captured their uh, attention from the past high school sports season. So we've got the sort of a year in review, if you will, of, of some of the highlights, uh, things that really caught the eyes uh, of the folks who are out there covering high school sports uh, over the past year. So this one will run a little long. Last year, I think we had 16 guests for this edition. We only got up to 10 this year, a little bit harder tracking folks down this time around, but still certainly uh, what should be some good conversations. So we're going to get in order here, Sean Boley from the New Haven Register, Frankie Graziano from uh, Connecticut at Public Television and uh, NPR. Dave Rudin from the Rudin Report, Mary Albo from diestat.com, Tom Yance from the Hartford Current, Vicki Fulkerson from the Day of New London, John Holt from uh, WFSB and uh, CPTV, Joe Morelli from the New Haven Register, Laurie Riley from the Hartford Current, and Scott Erickson from the Stamford Advocate. So all of those folks are going to join us. They're going to, as I said, just a one-question kind of answer, talking about some of their favorite uh, stories, games, moments, things that really uh, stood out to them. From the 2016-17 high school sports season, so that's what we're going to do this time around. Really looking forward to hearing some of what these folks have to say and giving us some good perspective and some good memories from the uh, the high school sports season. I think they'll, uh, if if uh, history is any indication, they're going to talk about some things that we probably have uh, have lost track of and forgotten a little bit. It's easy to to lose sight of all the different stories and great events and great games that make up a high school sports season um, once you've gone through the whole thing. But uh, they're, they're certainly going to uh, hopefully provide some good good stories and a good look back. So this will be sort of our final rear view mirror episode of the uh, the Connecticut high school sports season from 2016-17 going forward. Hopefully going to do a few uh, a few more conversations during the summer here, and then we'll be back sort of to our traditional um, format and, and kind of focus and topics once we get into the fall. But that's where we are right now. And uh, yeah, hope you'll enjoy this. I think it'll be a lot of fun. Um, we're not going to do my uh, my usual sort of um, intros in and out for each interview. Uh, I'm just going to run all of these folks right along. So you, if you, you start listening, you just kind of be able to listen all the way through, hear all their great conversations. I imagine it's probably going to end up uh, being close to an hour's worth of uh, of insights and content from those 10 folks. So I uh, hope you'll enjoy that. Hope you enjoy uh, this edition of the CIC cast. I think it's a lot of fun, really kind of an interesting and fun way to look back at the 2016-17 high school sports season. So I uh, want to uh, quickly, before we get to our guests, we'll do a quick quick edition of things you might have missed on CIACsports.com. As always, you can follow us on Twitter at CIC Sports. You can email the CIAC cast, which is C-A-S-C-I-A-C. Excuse me, CICcast at cascicast.org. And of course, if you listen to us on iTunes, we'd love if you would subscribe and uh, and leave rate us and leave us a review. All those things are uh, are very beneficial for the podcast. Help us get a sense for how many folks are listening, and uh, and all that stuff is great. So we uh, we hope you're checking us out on Twitter. Hope you're checking out com and facebookcom Sports. Lots of good stuff there. So what's new at com? Well, while we're doing this recap here, we've been doing a little uh, a fun little thing we've been having there at CICSports.com. We found uh, from this past year there were 16 sports. Uh, where the NFHS Network live streamed our championship events, so we took one moment from each of those 16 sports, and uh, we opened it up to a vote and said, "What was the the best moment from that uh, from those uh, championship events?" And we're down now. We've been uh, one by one day at a time. We've been posting the top five results this week. We're uh, number two will be coming on Thursday. You'll hopefully, this will be posted on Thursday, so that's when we hear it. And then the number one uh, moment will be posted on Friday, so you can check out all of those at CIC. Sports.com. That's been kind of a fun, uh, fun thing to uh, to do there at uh, at the website. I think uh, kind of a fun way to again to sort of look back at the uh, the championship season and uh, and and keep keep tabs on what's been going on. So it's been a lot of fun. Hope uh, hope fans have enjoyed that. Hope fans have enjoyed the opportunity to sort of look back and, and see some of those great highlights and see some of the great uh, coverage that we're able to get from the NFHS network. Uh, the C.I.A.C. manual handbook is now uh, online. uh, As is, uh, if you're a coach, the uh, the schedule for the fall rules interpretations meeting. Those are a requirement for all of our uh, C.I.A.C. coaches have are required to check out one of those meetings. You can see the meeting schedule. There at CIACsports.com as well. So that's uh, just a few things that, uh, that you might have missed there at CIACsports.com. And, of course, follow us on Twitter. All that good stuff. Been posting linked-ups uh, throughout the, the summer as well. Uh, may not get one on this Friday because, as I said, we're doing the, the, the finale uh, of our championship moment countdown. Uh, moment number one will hopefully be posted on Friday. So we may not do a linked-up. May do a linked-up on Monday. But uh, that's going to be uh, how, what we're doing there. So lots of good stuff there and uh, and of course the fall schedules have all been posted so you can check out where your team your favorite team is going to be playing where are some games that you're going to want to catch and all of that good stuff as well so that's uh, just a quick look at things you might have missed. And now time for, of course, our quick reminder from our friends at the Connecticut Department of Transportation in here. They tell us that uh, sending or receiving a text takes a driver's eyes from the road for an average of 4.5 or oh, 4.6 seconds, which driving at 55 miles per hour, that's the equivalent of traveling the length of an entire football field blind. Please do not text and drive or drive distracted and encourage your friends and family to park the phone When they are behind the wheel, one text or call... Could wreck it all, and that is great advice. So before we get now to our guests, I wanted to quickly uh, just highlight a couple of the stories uh, that that I've really enjoyed from this past year. Uh, before we get to our uh, our experts and and the folks who uh, who wrote and covered wrote the stories and covered a lot of these games, just wanted to hit on a few stories. Uh, you know, we do uh, I regularly try to keep tabs on on some of the stories that are being written about high school sports around the state of Connecticut and uh, through our Linked Up feature, which as you know, hopefully posts every Friday which is sort of a a composite of a lot of these great stories but was just thinking back on some of the ones that jumped out at me and some of the championship events that really stood out to me from this past year before we get to our guests and uh one that I remember, uh, and I hope folks will look this up. Uh, it was actually not a, a high school sports writer, but John Buchi of ESPN, who's one of their Sports Center anchors, and occasionally uh, posts on the website, wrote a beautiful story uh, about the the end of his son's high school career. Uh, As a high school hockey player at South Windsor, uh, the team reached the semifinals of the hockey championships this year, and just a remarkable story about the emotions of a parent uh, watching their son, watching his son uh, wrap up his high school career. So, really encourage fans to uh to check that one out that really hit home with me and uh it was just uh, my my uh my little ones are not nearly of uh of high school age yet but uh, just an incredible emotional uh tale uh talking about everything that goes into seeing your your kids compete uh at the high school level and then seeing their careers come to a close it really was uh outstanding uh, another story that uh that really I remember and uh and this was uh had a podcast with this gentleman kind of talking about the story was um Jeff Jacobs of the Hartford Current wrote a beautiful piece about the um tragic death of uh Ryan French, who was a uh cross country captain at Killingley High School and, and Anytime, obviously, that we lose a high school student or any student uh, far too young, it's an emotional thing. But uh, the, the, the tie-in with athletics there and, and his uh, work with the cross-country program uh, and talking to the coaches and some of the other runners there and how they're sort of trying to carry on was was really an, uh, an amazing story from uh, Jeff Jacobs. So hope folks will check that one out as well. Uh, one that jumped out to me, and I, and I think this one was one – that I really liked because um, it's the sort of thing that I think epitomizes why we get such great coverage of high school sports in Connecticut, and that's because we have so many, we have a lot of outlets that uh, you know really know their their coverage base and, and know their schools so well. And this is a story. From John Nash of the Norwalk Hour, and it was about how Norwalk uh, High School has really become a hotbed of hurdling in track and field for whatever reason. And it was just one of those stories I, I think just jumped out at me because it's something that I didn't know, but just that that comes from having just a great relationship with a high school and and understanding what the school does well. And it's one of those things that they had a chance to write, um, and really just that's sort of the essence I think of what we're trying to do with the Linked Ups, and and that we love to see the the outlets able to do with their feature stories is just. Kind of highlight something that, you know, tell a story that maybe folks weren't aware of or weren't, uh, that isn't the obvious story necessarily, you know, of a state championship or a dynasty program or anything like that. But to just sort of see the story about oh wow Norwalk High School has a great tradition of hurdling it wasn't something that I was aware of and uh, and and just was a really interesting and well told uh, story there by John Nash so great story uh, another one that uh, sort of of the similar vein um, Vicky Fulkerson, who will be joining us on the podcast this week of the New London Day wrote a wonderful profile of Kaylee O'Neill who uh, who scored the winning goal for Old Lyme uh, in the girls soccer championships this past fall in fact her moment was one of the ones uh, that was open to the voting in our NFHS. Uh, championship moment poll. Uh, but just a great story about how she's uh, had just followed in the footsteps of her sister, who was a great athlete, and uh, and Kaylee actually, uh, uh, despite her success on the soccer field, really a standout rower, which is where she uh, she really sort of excels. But uh, it was just a great story, you know, those those sort of familial bonds, and and this uh, outstanding athlete, and how much she looked up to her sister, and and was really motivated and driven to uh, to follow in her footsteps. Um, and then another story that I know, uh, well, I shouldn't say I know, I would guess that we're going to hear uh, a. Few Few people mentioned, but the uh, the remarkable run of foreign baseball to the uh, to the championship in Class L this spring um, was looking back and some just beautiful stories from uh, Joe Morelli and Chip Malafont uh, from the New Haven Register uh, about that that team and, and sort of the emotion not only of winning but of the relationship with their head coach and, and his late father uh, sort of the fabric of that uh, that program and that school. Um, was really just some tr- some beautiful things, and uh, you know the the championship aside, it was sort of the the emotion of it all uh, that really stood out. So a couple um, you know championship things that was sort of looking back uh, that maybe got lost in the shuffle a little bit, but really were highlights. Uh, in the, in the winter, a couple of winter championships, uh, the Danbury Wrestling Program has obviously been one of the stronger championship, uh, one of the stronger programs uh, historically in Connecticut. Um, they had maybe one of their best seasons of all time, posting just a dominant championship effort in the open and then went on to win the New England Championships, which is something a Connecticut wrestling program hadn't done for a number of years. So really uh, kind of maybe lost in the shuffle a little bit within uh, you know all the excitement of basketball and hockey and all that stuff in the winter. But uh, remarkable Season for the Danbury wrestling uh, program, and the same for the Woodstock girls gymnastics. Uh, again, in that same season, um, you know, imp- impressive championship effort, and then going on actually hosting the New England Championships and doing very well there as well. And then uh, another winter championship event that uh, that I really want to do a story on at some point, and I'll have to kind of look back, but uh, the open boys swimming meet. Uh, came down to literally the last race and a tiny touch of the wall in one place uh, was was all that it came down to that ended up being the difference with Greenwich able to narrowly edge Pomperog Uh, in one of the closest finishes uh, in terms of team points uh, that we've ever seen in that boys open swimming championship so those were just a few of the things that stood out to me Um, looking back at the 2016-17 season some stories that uh, that stuck in my brain a little bit Uh, as I said uh, we get so many of those great feature stories in our linked ups I hope folks are excuse me checking those out regularly, um, really a lot of great stuff in there and, uh, and just great work from, uh, from the good folks who cover high school sports in the state of Connecticut. We are very fortunate to have such dedicated uh, media covering high school sports and, and devoting a lot of time and resources to high school sports. That's not the, uh, that is not the case all over the country, and Connecticut is very lucky in that regard. So with that said, let's get to some of the folks who do all that wonderful coverage. And as I said, we're just going to roll right through these. So they're just going to go one into another, into another, into another. So again, I'll give you the order here. It's going to be Sean Boley, Frankie Graziano, Dave Rudin, Mary Albolt, Tom Yance, Vicki Fulkerson, John Holt, Joe Morelli, Lori Riley, and Scott Erickson in that order. We did it. I actually used a uh, website called random.org to generate uh, the, the random order so uh, nobody could feel slighted if I, uh, you know, in some ways my biases crept in. That was the random order that uh, that came up, and uh, I really appreciate all these conversations. It, uh, these are great folks. They, they took some time out of their summer to chat with me and, and offer a look back, so we hope you enjoy this look back at the 2016-17 high school sports season and uh, let's get right to it with Sean Boley from the New Haven Register. Check in with our folks from around the state of Connecticut who uh, live and breed the world of high school sports to uh, to get their perspective on some of the big stories from the past year. So we reach out to the uh, the curator of Game Time CT and the New Haven Register, Sean Patrick Boley. So Sean, we will uh, we'll hit you with just the one question that we've been asking everybody here, which is uh, you look back at the high school sports season. What's the one game or story or moment that uh, that sticks out to you um, as being sort of representative and really standing out from the past school year?
1: Well, Joel, uh, good question. Um, It was uh, it was a pretty
2: interesting year. I I thought overall, me, I'll start off with football, I guess, because that's kind of like where I kind of stake my 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 claim, my it I should say, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it wasn't, uh, you know, as far as the football team was concerned, you know, it, it, we went in, you know, with a lot of, like, you know, guys who had some pretty high-profile, uh, you know, college offers, and they were going to go to, you know, great schools, like, the guys all going to Michigan, like Ben Mason from Newtown, and, and uh, Stuber from Darien going to Michigan as well, and, you guys from UConn and uh, Pinoff going, going from uh, going to Pitt, you know, changing from BC, and we had a lot of we had a lot of great athletes. And the, what we didn't know was whether you know a lot of we had a lot of graduation losses from the previous year, like Darian and Cannon, who had both won titles. And and uh, you know we figured that maybe some teams might be out there with some of their great players to challenge those teams for their. Uh, You know to knock them off their perch, Mm -hmm. and and sure enough, that that really didn't happen. Yeah, Darian once again repeated as the the Double L champion, Um, and pretty convincingly too. I mean, they even you know ended up facing one of their only FCI teams they didn't play in the regular season in the final, and they beat up Ridgefield twenty eight seven. And then Darian, uh, that was their second consecutive Class Double L title. And number one ranking for us, they just had a dream season. Mm-hmm. And then you go to Class L; their rival, New Canaan, winning—I uh, believe it was a fourth straight Class L championship—and um, they beat their old foil Windsor um, in a pretty easy uh, matchup. So that was pretty much something dry there. I mean, we did see Hill House capture Class N, which you know over uh, over St. Joseph, which is pretty impressive. since St. Joseph had been winning a lot of titles over the last you know last decade or so. So that was good for Hilltop to get back on the on, on the uh, on top of the football world. I was very impressed by them, and uh, a great coaching job by Reggie Lytle. And then, uh, of course, you have Ansonia, of course, coming back, getting back on top after uh, losing the last couple finals. They beat Rocky Hill in the championship. A really good Rocky Hill team in the yep. championship. So, you know, you saw a lot of familiar faces winning titles this year in football, and you know, despite all the other teams, perhaps having the choosing the, the makeup. Um, uh, maybe perhaps the guys to challenge the the guys at the top. you guess it just wasn't in the cards for for 2016, and you know, so the 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 reign of terror continues for the two FDX squads there. And um, you know, yeah, Hill House won, and but you also know, have there. So it's a lot of more to say, and I'm still waiting for the the, the next the next generation. I guess you know these things don't last forever. Yep. Um, so we're kind of waiting for the next generation. And there were some great games in football to be to be sure, but in the end, the result. You know, not a lot changed.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, it is interesting. I think, as you said, it's sort of we we've we've gone into a, a few football seasons in a row now, wondering if this is the year where we're going to get the 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 snow globe uh, shook up a little bit and maybe see yeah. some different things. But it's been a uh, been kind yeah. of on a repeat cycle the last uh, the last few years in the world of uh, yeah. We thought High West, football. like we thought West Haven,
3: we thought West
2: Haven might be able to do it. You know, like they had the undefeated regular season, they kind of battled Shelton this uh, Fair but they, we uh, thought they would have the, 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 the team it was their first undefeated regular season since they won the state championship in twenty, uh, in t- two thousand two, mm-hmm. and um, and and they looked like they had a, a really good team, but they got upset in the quarterfinals by Richfield. Yep, you know you had that FDAC dominance, which continues ever since the SEC won three titles back in twenty twelve. Uh, the going kind of kind of in the roost with Darian and then and. You know, we're like you said, you know, rather than Southington and maybe uh, another outlier like Bloomfield, um, it's pretty much been all SBX all the time in the, in the football world. That's carried over to some of the other sports as well. I mean, they've been pretty dominant. You know, you saw uh, Ridgefield winning hockey with Darien one of the year before. That was a pretty big, that was pretty interesting to see them come all the way uh, from where they had been, and it was for, for a senior laden team. They were able to, to beat, uh, North was Catholic in, in the in the final. Mm-hmm. Um, so the hockey season was a little interesting there. He had a newcomer. I, I don't think Richfield had won a title. I think this, their last one was like a Division Two title in like 2001 or or, or thereabouts in or 2002. Um, so you know it, it wasn't Darien, but an FCIAC team did win the hockey. And it, it forever it took the FCIAC to win hockey titles it took forever. It used to be all FCC all the time, and now it's all FCIAC all the time. And, and in hockey. Uh, the one thing that SEC does have a still have a strangle on uh, currently is the uh, is the class. Uh, is, excuse me, is, the, is basketball. Where obviously Ohio had an amazing season, took on all comers to repeat as the Class Double L champions. There, you know, and that rivalry with with Notre Dame with David, was great, though. I mean, I'll, I'll agree with. Someone. I know our my buddy Joe Morelli was all over that. Um, and uh, you know that was a really intriguing thing to see. You know, a, a top, like a, a top 100 prospect like uh, Tremont uh, Waters come into Notre Dame and kind of shake that up a bit. Mm-hmm. But uh, and that was a great final, uh, the SEC final. And but then in the end of the day, Hillhouse won that pretty handily, and they and they went on to win the state championship pretty handily. And
1: I don't know who's gonna.
2: The question now is who's gonna break the uh, the Hillhouse uh, run of uh, two straight titles right now and that should be really interesting. But basketball was pretty good. That was a pretty good season as well. And and then let's not forget baseball. Um Amity's run, you know, you want to talk about SCF FTX F- 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 rivalry, Amity's four year championship run came to an end in the state final against Staples, which is won its first state championship since two thousand and one. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and that was great for, for a pretty strong team. You know, it was it was He grew up a little quickly. But staples beating Ambie was uh, perhaps one of the biggest games of the year. I don't want to say upset because it was a really good team. But, you know, they didn't have the greatest of all regular season, staples, And, you know, for all those guys to kind of come together, come playoff time, and, you know, knock off, a which had been an awesome run by Miami that, that was really fun. And, of course, the foreign story was really fun as well. Um, a team that, you know, by all measures, really shouldn't have been in the tournament to begin with, but uh, took advantage of the rules and uh, went on. An all-time great run. You, know, I, I don't think you will ever see anything like that, anything close to that. Just literally came out of nowhere to win a end state championship. Uh, you know, and that was really great for me because I, 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 covered Garrett Walker, their head coach, when he was, uh, when he was in high school at Foreign. and and, and uh, you know I remember when his dad retired to go watch him in college, and when retired he stepped down from foreign coach for a few years as his son went on to play at Central Connecticut State. Um, and now, then his father dies uh, maybe 10 years later, and Eric takes over his program. And, and, you know, it wasn't the greatest season, regular season in the world, but, you know, they, to win a championship uh, coming out of – which is not, never easy to come out of Class L in baseball. And to win a championship being just a 7 win team was just nothing short of remarkable. Really brought a lot of uh, pride and and uh, you know respect to the, the Milford uh, town as a baseball town, and it's great for Garrett and all those kids. And I thought that was probably one of the most amazing stories.
0: Yeah, no question. It's uh, as you said. Not sure you'll see uh, something like that again. We have had uh, we've had some long shots win state titles before. It does happen, but uh, yep. you know sometimes I, I think I remember talking to. Uh, I believe the previous record uh was Portland Girls Soccer a few years ago. They were a a 29 seed I believe, but they had a team, you know, had had some injuries during the season, so it was sort of, you know, you could kind of right. see, all right, you know, they hadn't really played the the team that was playing in the tournament wasn't really the team that had been out there for a lot of the year, but uh yeah, the yep. foreign it was not a, you know, it wasn't a different team, it was just a uh, something switched and uh and they found uh, some magic at the right time and uh, it was a remarkable uh run and Sean we uh, we always appreciate getting on the phone with you you do such a great job there at uh, with the register and game time CT uh, as a, a hub for all kinds of exciting uh, high school sports stories so we will uh, we appreciate talking to you as always and we know you'll be uh, on the beat once the uh, football camps kick off in really just a few weeks here believe it or not so we uh, yeah. greatly appreciate
2: it Thanks for watching. I appreciate it. We'll see you out
0: there. We continue to reach out to our friends from around the state of Connecticut who do such a great job covering high school sports, and we uh, we certainly couldn't do. Uh a comprehensive look around the state without getting in touch with our friend Frankie Graziano from uh, CPTV Sports and uh, Connecticut Public Broadcasting. Uh, the Our folks there, they weren't doing quite as many live games this year, but still telling all kinds of great high school sports stories. So Frankie, we'll ask you the question that uh, we're asking all of our friends from around the state who do uh, such a wonderful job with high school sports, and that's uh, what are some of the, you know, maybe one or two or three or however many you want, but... Uh, sort of the most memorable games or stories or events or or things that you covered uh, from this past year that really stand out to you from 2016-17 high school sports in the state of Connecticut?
3: Yeah, my my official title now is producer for Connecticut Public Television, and I also am a reporter for WNTR. So what I've been hanging on to more than anything is the stories. And you'll see over the years, I've I've had to tell some some stories that were kind of sad. Some of them were, were miserable in nature, but you know, I, I do it for a reason because it's kind of inspiring when you talk to some of these kids that are in high school and they have more courage than uh, you and I put together. Even though we're, we're, we're nice guys, we're just, sometimes these kids are just extraordinary mm-hmm. in the way that they believe in themselves and they're able to get past whatever they're going through. The silly Polites I met in September, he was diagnosed with cancer in, I believe, March of 2016. And by February of 2017, after undergoing aggressive radiation, he is done with cancer. Uh, he had no hair when I saw him back in uh, back in the football season. He missed his entire senior season because he had non-Hodgkin lymphoma. He had uh, he had no hair. He was he had a tough gait because of the way that he was walking mm-hmm. um, because of the aggressive treatments, and he was on crutches. wasn't able to play. Uh, Wasn't too down, though. He had an incredible spirit. By the time I see him in February, he's got a full head of uh, dark hair, and he was talking to me about how he was ready to kill it at prom and look good, and I was very proud of him, and it was a great story to tell. And then also, unbelievable story is Danny Dietz.
0: Sure. Somebody
3: who needed a, a heart transplant. And you know what? At the end of the day, he might need another one in 20 years, but what he's been able to do... How inspiring he's been to his community. I caught up with him on senior night in Simsbury. He was able to celebrate a tremendous accomplishment. Earlier in the season, he scored a touchdown against Enfield. Uh, What a young man. I was really proud to meet him and his family and uh, and tell Danny's story.
0: No question about it. Those were certainly uh, certainly two big ones for you. And as you say, you do uh, such a wonderful job. And uh, Danny's, uh, Danny's story earned him some recognition uh, that folks could read about as well. He was selected as uh, one of eight recipients of the regional um National Federation of High School Estate Associations, which the CIC is a part of their spirit of sport award, so he was recognized as both the Connecticut recipient of that award and then the uh, the regional winner from uh, from what they call Section One, which includes uh, eight states from around uh, surrounding Connecticut, so certainly his story is one that uh, that garnered him some, him some uh, some national attention and, and certainly deserves. So, Frankie, we, uh, we appreciate it. You're out on the road. You're uh, out trying to find more good stories, I am sure. But uh, always appreciate you checking in with us and, and sharing some of these wonderful stories that you uh, are unearthing from the world of high school sports. So we look forward to uh, a lot more coming ahead for the, uh, for the future uh, school year coming up in the fall. We appreciate it.
3: Always a pleasure, Joel. Thank you for calling me
0: checking in with our uh, CIAC cast correspondents from all over the state of Connecticut trying to find their take on some of the best moments uh, from the past school year. We of course had to get in touch with our man Dave Rudin from the therudinreport.com uh, one of our correspondents down in Fairfield County. He's got the pulse of everything happening down in that part of Connecticut. So Dave, we'll, uh, we'll dive in with our one question here. The question we've been asking everybody uh, around the state of Connecticut. What's uh, maybe one or two or three your stories or games or moments uh, or 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 anything from the world of high school sports that stood out to you from this past year as particularly memorable when you look back at the seasons?
1: Well, Joe, I actually wrote a column about this when the season ended and kind of looked at my biggest memory from each season. And uh, as a qualifier, I'm discounting the Darien New Canaan football game because that would be number one every year and and especially last year's game. Uh, The Turkey Bowl again lived up to the hype, so... I'm putting that aside because I would be answering this question the same every year. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, with that as a disclaimer, certainly for me the biggest game was the FCAC Boys Basketball Championship between Ridgefield and Wilton, and there were so many storylines to it. Uh, you have two teams that were playing in the championship for the first time, and then you have two real border rivals. So, uh you know, what What really, though, stood out to me, Ridgefield won the game in double overtime. Uh, it was somewhat dramatic, but it wasn't a particularly well-played game. I mean, it was an okay game. It wasn't a bad game. But I think if you're not from Ridgefield, not from Wilton, and you were at Alumni Hall at Fairfield University that night,
4: mm-hmm.
1: the atmosphere is something that I think is going to have a lot of legs. And, and 20 years from now, people who were there are going to be talking about it. I showed up at the game, I'm guessing about 90 minutes before a tip, only because of the anticipated crowd. And I walked in the gym not early, and there were already a couple hundred fans, the Ridgefield and, and Wilton, the student bodies, on both sides of the bleachers. And it was just a tremendous atmosphere. I'm old enough to remember what it used to be like when the FCI Kelly the championship game over at the Wilton Field House, mm-hmm. and actually, it's going to be moving there again next year. But it was just electric. And in this day and age, where it seems like there's a little bit of apathy in terms of fans, and, and particularly students going to games. I mean, it, it was just such a great atmosphere. Uh, there was electricity in the air. I know it sort of sounds like a trite cliche, but but it's really true. And uh, you know, I, I just think. It's hard not to look back on the nine months of the season and, and just not look back to that game and, and, and the atmosphere and, and what it meant for so many different people, whether you were a neutral fan and, and just getting caught up in what was going on, and particularly if you had an allegiance to either Wilton or Ridgefield, where besides just being in this great game with so many people, mm-hmm. uh, you just... Uh, were able to back your team, see your school in the championship for the first time, and it was just such a memorable experience to me. So in terms of a game, that certainly is number one that stands out in my mind.
0: Yeah, no, we've, uh, we've heard that from, uh, from a few folks, that that, uh, that, that was a, sort of a, a, a special night on the, on the winter sports calendar. Anything else from, uh, from the past year that, uh, that kind of jumped out at you in terms of a big, uh, a big moment, a big game, a big team, uh, or just a big story?
1: You know, I, I broke it down into my biggest memory from each season. So that was my winter memory. And then fall and spring were two teams just for completely different reasons. Uh, the spring, I mean, it's impossible not to talk about the Darien boys lacrosse team.
4: Mm-hmm. Far
1: and away the best team I saw this year they turned the cross into an art form.
4: Yeah, It
1: it was just incredible. And I go back to a play in their state quarterfinal game against Greenwich uh, with goaltender Ryan Cornell making a save, a long clearing pass, and one play later, Logan McGovern is scoring a goal over his shoulder. I think the whole play took seven seconds. Wow. And if you want to say say sports is, is poetry or ballet, that play epitomized a lot of what those those of us who saw the team during the entire season saw constantly, and it was just an unbelievable team. They're just great talent. They played a lot of good teams and, and manhandled them. And uh, again, when you're number one in the country, and I don't put a lot of stock in national polls, but I think well. We'll just agree that they're an unbelievable team and one of the best in, in the country, wherever you want to put it. Sure. But certainly that, that was the team that stood out most from a talent standpoint. And then this other memory is just strictly personal, and that was in the fall, the Ridgefield girls' soccer team. Had an unbelievable season for the second year in a row. They won the FCIAC championship and then lost to Glastonbury in the state final. A game they were very competitive lost 4-1, a misleading score, and that uh, they outplayed Glastonbury for a good part of the game early, and Glastonbury got a lead, and they pushed everybody forward, and Glastonbury got a lot of goals. And the team resonates with me really just because I covered them a lot, and I got to know the girls on the team, and you had seven seniors uh, that all played together, and, and a couple of other kids as well, and two of the girls on the team actually do some work for the Rudin Report, so it's personal. I just got to know the girls really well. They were just a really, really nice bunch of girls infectious personality. And, you know, sometimes from from our standpoint, that is what makes covering the team a lot of fun as well, not just if they're good, but if you really like the people sure. on the team. So this, this is strictly, strictly a personal one in terms of I just really like the kids on the team and the fact that they were so talented. Yeah, uh, it made it a lot of fun for me to cover.
0: Yeah, no, you don't. Uh, you can't always choose. You know, some of that stuff just happens, and you, you find a team that, uh, for whatever reason, kind of strikes your fancy, and you enjoy uh, seeing. And uh, and as you said, they're certainly a talented bunch who had an impressive run uh, to a, to a state championship game. So, Dave, we uh, we always appreciate it. A little bit of a downtime for you during the summer, still posting uh, things on the but a little bit slower pace at least during the summertime. We appreciate you taking a few minutes to. Uh, to look back on 2016-17, and I know we'll be uh, looking forward to more great stuff in 2017-18. Uh, in, uh, so thanks so much. We appreciate it.
1: Thanks a lot, Michael. It's always a pleasure talking to you.
0: In our quest to find uh, the most memorable moments or some of the most memorable moments from uh, the past year, we reach out to Mary Alville from Dystat.com. Always happy to have mary along with us so mary we'll get right to it with our our question that we're asking everybody here of all the uh events and meets and games and everything that you covered uh, from the past year what stood out to you as maybe the most memorable uh thing that you saw or wrote about or covered uh, from 2016-17 yeah um
5: i'm going to take it all the way back to the fall of 2016 and um kind of maybe a story that went a little bit under the radar but um in my opinion is um one of the best was just the Staples-Boys cross-country um, run this mm-hmm. past fall. Um, and what they did was incredible. Not only did they go undefeated in the regular season, um, which is no easy task to do, yeah. they went ahead and won the SCAC, which is arguably one of the hardest um, cross-country conferences in the state. The um, beat-out rival, Danbury, they went on to win the Class FPL title. Then they went on to win the State Open for the second year in a row. Um, and, again, those are no small um, no small tasks. It gets uh, progressively difficult as um, you go on to each level. And um, after the State Open, they went to the New England Championships up in Rhode Island and took down um, defending champion LaSalle Academy in Rhode Island, mm-hmm. which was incredible. They beat them um, pretty handedly. I think it was, like, they scored 66 points, had five guys in the top. So, um just an incredible meet for them. Um, and then to cap it off, they went to um, the Nike Northeast Regionals in, in uh, New York. And incredible, they finished in second place wow. to um, Christian Brothers Academy, just a powerhouse out of New Jersey. Finished um, second, so that qualified them for Nike Cross Nationals out in Portland, which is... Um, they only take two of the top teams from each region, and then they used to select some wild cards. So it's such a great honor. Um, they didn't have the best selling at right, Nike Cross Championships in Portland. Um, you know, they had an illness. Laddie was not there. A few, a few things went wrong, but right. um, just to kind of put it in perspective, Lottie really said, you know, hey, we finished 22nd there, but we're the 22nd best team in the entire country out of, you know, close to nearly 1,500 teams, which is is incredible in in the whole United States. So, um, what they did was really amazing, and I think um, to be noted, great for them, maybe not great for other teams, is they, I believe they only graduate one runner from their top five in Mm Jacomad. So, they really did all that success last year with... Um, a core group of underclassmen, which is even more impressive.
0: Yeah, that you—you uh, you said it. Uh, a really, just uh, an impressive run all the way through, and and we love seeing. Uh, we know we've talked to you a few weeks ago about the the track performances at New England's and some of these national meets, but uh, that was a memorable effort from Staples to. Uh, to, to move out of Connecticut and, uh, and put on such a performance at New England's and then the regionals and then the nationals. So uh, certainly, uh, certainly something worth recognizing. And, Mary, as always, you do a, such a great job keeping track of all the, uh, the, the track and cross-country performances across the state. So we, uh, we appreciate it. That's certainly one that we should, uh, should, uh, should remark upon and, and remember from the 2016 season. So thank you so much.
5: Yeah, yeah thanks for having me on.
0: So as we reach out to folks all around the state, uh, trying to recap the 2016-17 season, of course we had to get on the phone with our good friend Tom Yance from the Hartford Current, who covers all kinds of things throughout the uh, throughout the high school sports season. So Tom, we'll uh, we'll turn it over to you with our one big question, and that is, what are the uh, what's what's an event, a game, a story, anything that uh, from the past year that really stood out and sort of stands out as the most memorable from your perspective from 2016-17?
6: Sure, uh, I mean I think. First of all, the uh, it wasn't a, a state final game, but the East Catholic Hillhouse boys basketball game, Class Double L semi.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: It was at the University of Hartford. I thought that was a great, uh, memorable night for uh, for the for the scholastic season. I mean, and it's certainly not for the number of points scored. I think, <laughs> uh, if I remember right, I think it was fifty-three to forty-five. So we're talking not even a hundred points, but it was a great game. Hillhouse won the game despite shooting, I think they shot 40% from the line. But the University of Hartford gym, the Chase family arena there, the original capacity, that I know because I covered it back in the day at University of Hartford, it was, I believe, 4,400 back in the day. Mm-hmm. But now it's 3,500. Well, I think just about every seat was filled for that, for that East Catholic Hill House game. And um, it was, if you like defense, I mean, Hillhouse was exceptional. I think they held uh, Mike McGurl and Joey Riley East Catholic's top two scorers to 10 points total. So the defense was great, and the, the atmosphere was, was um, better than any. Than any I, I, I wasn't at every other semifinal game, but I would hazard the guess to go out on a limb mm-hmm. that it certainly was uh, the best atmosphere uh, around. And and Hillhouse won, and uh, even despite um, uh, Brian Breeland getting two technicals and being ineligible for the final game, Hillhouse went out and and beat uh, East Hartford for the title. Uh, but really, for for most of the people who were at the game that night, the East Catholic Hillhouse game that really was the uh, unofficial uh, title game. Yeah, uh, I think another one, and again with boys basketball. Um, I covered a lot of weaver basketball, Weaver Hartford, and they have two brothers, Chalen and j c martin uh, they're not twins uh, one's both are guards Chaylen's a little bit better jumper, but they, they had a um a great season and they were the leaders of Weaver and you got to understand that weaver if they had hundred and forty boys in the in the school mm-hmm. and that they're not even at the original uh schooled at, in, 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 off Granby Avenue in Hartford. They're down at a Culinary Institute, which is sort of like their second site. Right. They don't have a full-fledged varsity basketball court to even practice on. They have two rims, so you can't do rebounding drills or anything like that. Um, despite all that, they um, they had, a, uh, and I'm talking about the two Martins and Weaver, they, they had exceptional careers and, and won one title game, and I believe they were in three title games in their four seasons. Mm -hmm. Um, And and it was fun to watch because it it was the the proverbial, you you, you guys are from a, you know, you should be playing in class S because of your enrollment, but you're taking on the big guys, and they moved up to double L. So they had no fear of anybody playing, and I give them credit for going out and um, saying, you know what, we want to play the best. Yeah. And uh, I know that there's uh, some detractors in the state who feel that some other school should be taking that uh, similar attitude. So that was very good to see. Um, and one, one other item on the on the two Martin brothers, they got beaten in the quarters uh, by East Hartford, who obviously got to the final. Mm-hmm. Uh, both Martin brothers are going to go to Woodstock Academy uh, for this next year. But uh, Chaylen Martin has already... Um, Given a verbal commitment commitment to Sacred Heart University, and so that's a pretty good get for uh, Anthony Latina down at Sacred Heart, and uh, I'm sure there'll be some a few scouts um, representing colleges uh, watching uh, J.C. Martin, who's the point guard this season.
0: Yeah, no question.
6: Um, boy, and and the final one is 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 a story that I wrote, um, probably one of the better ones of my career, and it's it was a, the, our cover story for. Hometown Heroes sports section, which appeared, I believe, last late last summer.
4: Mm-hmm.
6: And it's on Stevie Daniels, uh, the unofficial official score of of the major sports at Southington High School. Yeah, uh, And it was, I mean, people who, who've covered football, covered baseball, and covered basketball know Stevie Daniels. He's there early. Um, he is... Friendly, obliging, and will do anything he can to help you and provide you with the stats. He takes a lot of pride in that. He's also the unofficial historian of Southington High School mm-hmm. uh, athletics, and he—he's um, he's one of these these uh, men that you root for. Um, he has a walker. He's had a couple operations on his on his back, um, and it's tough for him to get around. But this is this is all you have to know about Stevie Daniels. The uh, Press box at Veterans Stadium at, at New Britain is <laughs> a very, very long, long stairwell up in the back. Yep. And in order to get up there, it's difficult for people of quote unquote uh, full health and mobility. Um, Steve Daniels has, has walked up those stairs before. Um, he's also been aided by um, assistant coaches who will literally carry him up mm-hmm. and carry his walker up there to uh, the press box because why because it's the right thing to do but more importantly because it's steve daniels so yeah. that was a, a, a memorable story for me and it's, it's much more than wins and losses which oftentimes i think uh, fans and some reporters get too um, enamored with
4: mm-hmm. uh,
6: the sports scene and whether especially the scholastic sports scene in particular here in connecticut there are a lot of People who should be um, uh, received notice uh, for reasons other than wins and losses. And, and Stevie Daniels is certainly one of them. And, you know, uh, if anyone bleeds blue uh, for the Southington uh, Blue Knights, it's, uh, it's certainly Steve Daniels.
0: Yeah, no question that uh, as as you say that those are the sorts of stories. As you, you know, there's there's always going to be great games and and great teams, and and we certainly love those stories as well. But uh, the the people sort of around. High school athletics, uh, like Stevie, that uh, that really make it, I think, a little different and and a little more special than than maybe even some of the other uh, some of the other levels of athletics. And uh, and and that was a a wonderful story that uh, that you wrote on him, and uh, as well as those other events as well, covering a uh, covering that beat for us. It, it really was. He's he's a special guy, and and you could tell that from the story.
6: Oh, well, thank you. It was it was my pleasure to write it.
0: Yeah. Well, Tom, we, uh, we greatly appreciate it. You do such a, uh, a wonderful job covering the beats there in, uh, in Hartford in and around Hartford, and those were certainly, uh, certainly highlights and things that we, uh, we should keep track of and remember from 2016-17 uh, so folks can go uh, look up that story on Stevie Daniels as well as Tom's coverage of uh, the Martin brothers and, uh, and that great basketball uh, double-L semifinal as well. So, Tom, uh, enjoy uh, what's left of the summer, and, uh, and we will uh, catch up with you soon, I hope.
6: Thank you very much, Joel. We're reaching
0: out to folks all over the state, and uh, and and maybe nobody that we have on the CIC cast uh, loves a good story more than our friend Vicky Fulkerson from the Day of New London. So we're uh, happy to reach out to her, and we're going to ask her the question we're asking all of our. Uh, all of our guests this week, and that is, uh, so Vicki, you uh, covered a lot of games, a lot of events. You wrote a lot of stories uh, this year for covering high school sports for the day. What are uh, some of the stories or, or one the one story or game or moment that, that stands out to you most from the 2016-17 season? Uh,
7: hi, Joel. Thank you. I, I think that um, when I think about it, the the thing that resonated with me the most throughout the whole school um, year uh was the New London girls basketball team won the class double L state championship this mm-hmm. year in March. Um it 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 I've never seen a group of people enjoy the moment so much. Um and, and just have it carry on throughout the throughout the spring. Like they've they've just been so happy and they they've been uh, the Rotary Club bought them rings and they, they had a nice banquet at the Coast Guard Academy and um, it was emceed by Tina Detell from Channel 8, and they had Connecticut Sun players um, at it. And they, they've just been uh, enjoying themselves so much, like, to see the smiles on their faces. And um, just go, going back to that game, um, a- after the game, after the, they beat Trimble uh, to win Class Double L, and it was the first time New London was in ever in Double L. Mm-hmm. So you know they're a good team, but you don't know, are they going to beat all the Double L? you know and this the um after the game not i can't remember one single person having a conversation about um oh so and so got a clutch rebound or that was a terrible turnover we had or we needed to you know do this better just everyone talked about how happy they were and th- there were there were more happy tears than i've ever seen after a game um i went to interview Spencer Roman um one of the players and she grew up as a whaler because her staff and he's the head coach, the head football coach now, and, mm-hmm. and uh, talked about like long um, whaler to win the championship. And she burst into tears, and um, Holly Misto, the head coach, had tears in her eyes. And the the uh, Holly and her two assistant coaches, Ariana Dolak and Missy Parker, had this big group hug in front of the bench. And uh, um, Mike Demaro from our paper wrote a column about the Pagon's and he he was talking to India Pagan who who was our um our all-star player of the year this year uh-huh. uh, she's going to play D1 at Stony Brook she's in Puerto Rico right now as the um on the Olympic you not Olympic sorry, the U19 national team in Puerto Rico right. and uh she was talking about how um, you know, everyone in the arena was dressed in green and gold. And her her mom uh, texted her, and she's like, "Okay, I'll be I'll be wearing red, so you can pick me out." <laughs> and Mike said, "Well, what what would you need to see her during the game for?" And India said, "Just just sometimes I need to see her. You know, it just like the emotion, just the emotions that the game brought up, and and has continued to to bring up, up since then. And and also um, the way they went through the tournament was so exciting." Um, they, they played EO Smith, who had the Gatorade Player of the Year, and then they played Stanford, who was the defending champion, and they had these huge kids on Stanford, and right, they, uh, New London won on a buzzer beater against Stanford, like, the ball dropped through the, the rim right at the buzzer. Mm -hmm. Um, then they beat Enfield, who was seeded higher than them. Then they beat Trumbull for the championship, who was the top seed. So just, um... So, like the confluence of so many things that came together, the, the talented kids and uh, really talented coaches, um, some really uh, great personalities that, that they had, both the kids and the coaches, um, the excitement that they built through the tournament. Um, they overcame some adversity during the season. Um, Holly, the head coach, had a concussion and missed the beginning of the season. So there were just so many things that just built it up to be so exciting and... And it, and they, they've just been really in, enjoying the ride as much as I've ever seen anybody. So it's been fun.
0: Yeah, that's uh, that's great, and that's you know you love to see a, a high school team uh, come away with a championship season and and really celebrate it and be embraced. Uh, I know as you said, they've just been embraced by the the community there in new london and that's a wonderful thing you certainly love to see that with uh, with high school sports so vicky we we yes. appreciate you uh reminding us of that great story there and you're part of the state and uh that was a memorable run for the whalers to the uh to the class double l championship and i know it was uh one th- that you folks did a wonderful job covering so we uh we appreciate it and uh enjoy your summer and we'll be in touch with you soon awesome
7: thank thank you so much joe
0: we continue our look back at the 2016-17 high school sports season, getting on the phone with one of our favorites, John Holt, uh, who continues to cover uh, the world of high school sports for us. And, uh, John, we'll, we'll get you in here with just the, the question we've been asking all of our folks. You did some, uh, some great stories and saw lots of great things covering high school sports uh, in the past year. Were there any from this past season stories or games or moments that really stood out to you as kind of representative uh, of the 2016-17 high school sports season?
8: Joel, there was. You know, I'm always partial to great human interest stories and feature stories. And back in the fall, I was fortunate to share a story when I was at WFSB about the special season that uh, the high school football team, is the, the co-op football team, Stafford East Windsor Summers, had mm-hmm. uh, for the first time ever in, in Stafford high school history. They made the state playoffs. It was, I believe, a 9-1 and one regular season. So. It was a real special fall in Stafford, and there was interest built up in town. They, they haven't been used to winning in, in recent years, uh, but to get an opportunity to, to make the playoffs was special, particularly for the, the seniors that had been with the program through some, some tough times, some sure. years before a new coaching staff came in. And uh, the part of the story that I really gravitated towards is about another uh, young man, who a senior at Stafford High School, uh, John G. Gianfrito, who was a regular at all the home games, uh, John suffers from a very rare skin disease, a one-in-a-million skin disease, epidermolysis is the name of his condition. It's also known as the, the butterfly boy disease. His skin is so sensitive that really to the touch, uh, it's like touching a butterfly's wing. It, yeah. It's that, that painful and can be that fragile. Um, and John has to go to great lengths along with his mom to uh, make sure that his uh, he takes a bath every evening and has his sores uh, rewrapped, rebandaged. That's a process that takes a couple hours, so he's dealing with with quite a bit when it comes to his health. But he had a very special relationship with the football team. He was at every home game. and It wasn't just this year. It's been there in years past, but it all came together his senior year. Uh, John's in a wheelchair, and he would lead the team out onto the field at the start of the night um, with the Stafford Bulldog flags attached to mounted on his wheelchair by special brackets made by the the shop students at Stafford High School. And he was really an integral part of the team. He wasn't just some sort of mascot, as his mom said, the kid in the wheelchair. Um, And his best friend, his genuine best friend, Cody is was a starting linebacker, a senior starting linebacker on the team. And the story explored their relationship, their friendship. And it's really a message about how high school sports can be this vehicle for inclusion, Mm -hmm. where people feel part of something, whether you're officially on the roster unofficially on the roster like John Gianfrito was, embraced by the coaching staff and the players on the Stafford football team. And it's just great to see uh, that John had this outlet. And it's a two-way street. The team could make this connection with John and gain a perspective for everything he's dealing with.
0: Yeah, no question. It, uh, it certainly was a remarkable story and uh, encourage folks to to look it up and as you said that's you know the things we love about high school sports are the community and and you know building those relationships whether it's uh the town kind of celebrating a team that's uh, that's putting it together and, and getting some wins after a long time or uh, or as you said a, a student who's got uh, some challenges who uh, gets embraced and adopted by the the team and, and certainly that inclusion is a you know a big part of uh, our unified sports program which i know you're familiar with and, and certainly have done some, sure. some great work covering yeah. it's that same kind of atmosphere and an attitude about how the athletics uh, experience can really kind of can bring everybody together in a way that not a lot of things in the in the school can so that was a uh, was no, a remarkable this, this, story
8: this is not to uh speak any will of, of other outlets at, at high schools uh, music or drama they have a, a, also a way of bonding people but sports because of the stage it has particularly a more high profile high school sport like football that they can draws a crowd to games. It mm-hmm. uh, just has the potential uh, to do some real special things and it was very uh heartwarming to hear John's mother, Brenda, say that she was genuinely appreciative of what the team and, and Cody, his best friend, had done by including John. Um and it, it, that's just a little small little town, you know, that's a that's a school that has to go by with two others to have a football team and uh they went on and they they lost. Uh, bigger crushed in the first round of the playoffs. The mighty Ansonia, But mm-hmm. the takeaway for those kids about this season uh, to finally break through and then also have the connection with John, uh, it's pretty special in my mind.
0: No question about it. So uh, hope uh, we we appreciate the the look back and hope folks will go check out that uh, that story. And if I uh, I know John is is far too uh, too humble to mention this, but we will also give a quick shout out another one of our. Guests on this podcast. Uh, Lori Riley wrote a wonderful profile of John and some of the work he's doing uh, in, in the field of sort of suicide uh, awareness. And, uh, I encourage folks to go check out that story in the Hartford current as well. And, uh, uh, kudos to you, John, for all the great things you're doing, uh, in that endeavor as well. So we won't, uh, I won't make you bring that up, but I'll do it for you. Cause it's uh, so that was a great story as well. And one that, uh, can certainly tie into high school sports and, and the coverage you've given to, uh, to a lot of great athletes around the state of Connecticut. So we appreciate that, uh, that as well.
8: Joel, thanks for mentioning that. Lori's one of the best, and uh, thanks for including me here.
0: Absolutely. John, we appreciate it, and we'll uh, we'll talk to you soon. As we check in with folks from around the state of Connecticut trying to find out some of uh, their favorite moments from the past year, we, of course, had to get in touch with Joe Morelli from the New Haven Register, who's been kind enough to uh, check in with us from his vacation. So, Joe, we won't uh, take up any more of your time than necessary. I'll just ask you the question I'm I'm asking everybody. Uh, give me uh, a moment or two or a story or a game or anything like that that sort of leaps out to you as the uh, – the, the prevailing story from the 2016-17 uh, high school sports season?
9: Well, I think one thing that stands out, Joe, is uh, Hill House football and basketball going uh, state championships back-to-back, having covered both those, game, both those games. Obviously, the basketball team going back-to-back itself in double L, mm-hmm. and the football team at A and Class yeah, beating, uh having a good run to get to the finals and then being St. Joe's. Obviously, a, a good group of athletes, a group, group of kids, at that school. Uh another one um it, obviously the, the, the Cinderella the true Cinderella story. Yeah. Foreign high school baseball team. I mean there's a lot of discussion whether she should have even been in the tournament. I mean in the CIAC, however you feel, they they are in the 7 and 13 they get in on a uh, a what do we call it, not a bye, but a um a tiebreaker. A tiebreaker over New London. Mm-hmm. So they didn't even have to play a game to get in. I mean they started out 1 and 11. They lost to Wilbur Cross. They were dead in the water. For them to come back, and then beat East Line and then beat Berlin, and then to beat some other teams, and then then to beat North Haven in the final. Yeah, to win a Class 5 state championship. It does not matter. You play by the rules. They play by the rules, and they are state champion. Yeah, it is pretty amazing. And obviously, the inside story is the head coach Karen Walker, his father, who passed away a few years back. Um, coached that team two different times, and he replaced his dad as coach. He coached, he played under his dad. It's it's, it's a really incredible story. If you're from the area of Milford, you know the story, you know the family. And it's really, really heartwarming and touching, if you think about it. If you knew Kenny Walker like I did. um, But, uh, again, for a team 7-13 and to win a state championship is unheard of. Yep. and actually pretty incredible. As we discussed, how many times there have been not that many teams that have done that uh, in different sports over the course of time. Um, I think Xavier Golf winning Division One state championship after losing in the playoff last year mm-hmm. to Simsbury. And the outgoing coach, Ed Lynch, I think that's going to come back on a, a dreary day. And in fact, it, I don't even know if it was even 50 degrees out at Fairview <laughs> Farm in, uh, in Harwinton. And for them to come in and actually win the state championship and, and Fairfield Prep and the Amity in the top five, I think I said a lot for the Southern Connecticut Conference that to have three, three in the top five in Division One. But my personal favorite uh, was the Southern Connecticut Conference kind of basketball tournament final. Mm-hmm. I mean, both to have two undefeated teams, going ahead to have people wanted to see this matchup, their people from all those people wanted to come. I mean, the game was sold out three hours before game time at Quinnipiac, at TD Bank Sports Center. So almost 3,500 people got to watch it. Very good basketball game. and got to see how it's beating Notre Dame in West Haven and the state's best player at Tremont Waters. So, I mean, that was... A perfect storm. I mean, we had a number of basketball sellouts this year, but that to me, to have the perfect storm with two teams is the expectation. And to have a decent game on top of it, to me, was the biggest moment of the year.
0: Yeah, no question. I think that, uh, as you said, that sort of uh, that storyline kind of took over the winter sports season a little bit towards uh, towards the end of the regular season, and uh, and yeah, the game really uh, was obviously something that a lot of people are interested in, and, and brought a lot of attention to high school sports, which is great. And as you said, that uh, I, I encourage everyone to read a lot of the coverage um, that, that Joe put out and and some of the other folks. Uh, on that foreign baseball run and the and the story uh, as well of their of their coach and it really was kind of some of the best things that you see in high school sports is that sort of uh, emotional connection to the team and to the town and and that kind of thing. So all I'm good getting stuff.
9: Good, I'm getting I'm getting good people thinking about it because yeah. I had known I had known Kenny since when I started in this business and and it, it, you you can't make those things up you, they, you they're not they have to be real. Yep. And just like Notre Dame, I mean, it has to be real. I mean, people wanted to see that matchup, and for it to actually happen in a tournament's final setting, and then to actually live up to expectations—that those are the things you, as a sports player, you want to cover, you live for. As a fan, you want to be a part of. As a anything, even if you just want to see good games. That's yep. what you want to see. You you don't want to see blowouts. I mean, you just want to see good storylines and, and good people win. And that's yeah. what you had.
0: Yeah. No, I, I see. You'll often see. Uh, you know, I think. Uh, reporters and, and uh, journalists say that they don't root for teams, they root for stories, That I'm not sure there were yep. many, uh, many better stories than the ones that, uh, that unfolded there that you, uh, you covered. So, Mr. Morelli, it's always a pleasure. Get back to your vacation, and we will uh, be checking back in with you uh, in the fall once, uh, once the calendar turns to August and September, and we've got uh, high school sports back on the field. So thanks, Joe, and uh, take care. It,
9: it won't be long now. It so, will yeah, not. Thank you. <laughs>
0: We continue to try to uh, cover the 2016-17 high school sports season, and we've got with us one of our, uh, our frequent guests and uh, favorite folks covering high school sports, Lori Riley of the Hartford Current. So, Lori, we'll ask you the uh, the question we've been asking all of our guests here as we try to wrap our arms around what went on with 2016-17 uh, high school sports, and that's just if there are any stories or games or moments uh, or from this past year that really stand out to you as sort of, uh, of highlights uh, from your perspective on what took place over the past uh, the past twelve months of high school sports in Connecticut?
10: Well, that's a that's a very large um, chunk of time. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> um, hi. Hi, Laurie. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's it's early in the morning, so um, yeah. We well, you know, I mean, it's funny because when I move from season to season, I'll go from fall to to you know winter to spring, and I honestly. Once the fall is done, I put the fall away in my mind, and mm-hmm. people will say, so, you know, who won the field hockey stage? And I have to actually think about that. Like, I don't, when I'm in basketball season, like, because right. I'm in basketball season, and then when I'm in softball season, I really don't think about basketball season that much. So um, so when you asked me, you know, to do this in the summer, I said, oh, <laughs> what happened last year? Right. <laughs> I don't even remember. But um, two story. well, there were two, you know, there was a lot of stories this year, but two of them really... Um, struck me um, as, you know, interesting and, you know, spending some time. I, I guess the first one with the coaches, uh, the first one was the, um, I did a story about uh, Joe Monet, mm-hmm. who was a St. Paul girls basketball coach, uh, been the coach for a long time, very successful coach, has won state championships, um, great guy, and I found out when I first started covering girls basketball that he um, worked in the Bristol uh, Department of Public Works as a snowplow um, well, he, he's the main, you know, DPW guy, but he, in the winter, when basketball season is happening, is when it snows, mm-hmm. and he supervises the snow plowing of the city of Bristol, all the streets. Okay. And I would call him, um, you know, some nights, you know, i call him like 8 o'clock or whatever, and his wife said, oh yeah, he's not home, um, but you can reach him over at the yard, and he... You know, I could call him at like eleven o'clock at night, and he'd be up, or or midnight, and he'd he'd be up plowing. You know, supervising the plowing if it was snowing. Right. So I always knew I could get Joe late at <laughs> night. So I said to Joe one night, you know, one day I said, you know, let's let's do a story. We we were doing a series of stories on, um, you know, coaches with interesting jobs, and I said, why, why don't we come out and do a story on you? And it didn't, the funny thing was it didn't snow a lot. I don't know if you remember this, at the beginning of the winter. Yes. I mean, there were a few snowstorms here and there, I think, from what I, again, because it's summer, so I don't remember this, but um, we weren't having a lot of opportunities. And then I think one, and I was busy, and then one week in March, it snowed a lot. Yes. Um, and I I was busy that week, so I couldn't go out with him, but I, so I called him, and I said, oh you know, can we come out? And he said, yeah, sure, we're still, you know, we're still moving the snow because there yeah. was a ton of snow. Um, so we did. We went a photographer, and I went out in the morning. Um, the photographer actually got there. It was John Wakey. He got there at, like, 3 in the morning, and that was a little too ambitious for me <laughs> um, since I live about an hour from Bristol. So I got there about 5.30. And um, John had shot them um, taking, he had taken pictures of them moving the snow around this parking lot because they had, they do a lot of work at night because, you know, like, say, at the high school or whatever, they they have to move the snow. They move it, like, cursorily, I think, at the beginning, and then they really, you know, get it out of the way. Like, get, you know, so they move it so the traffic can go through and people can get in and out. But then, you know, they want they were having a home show that weekend at one of the high schools, so they ended up moving a lot of the snow um, at 3 o'clock in the morning from the parking lots because nobody was parked there. So right. they could just move it easier. So I got there about 5.30 and we basically just drove around Bristol and, you know, he was checking out different spots where, you know, we could go. We, we went to Dunkin' Donuts and got coffee because that was really early for me. <laughs> and then uh, and he had been up, I think he had been, well, he had been up since like 3 that night, but some, or that morning, but sometimes he would just stay up all night. And then he would have to go coach, you know, right. or go to a game. And the problem is when, well, part of the good, the good thing is when it snows, the games would be canceled, the practices would be canceled because school would be canceled. So it didn't really interfere with his job but also when the games were canceled then he had to go and you know coach like three games in a row right and still be moving the snow all day you know and and you know i mean school was happening but he he was still working with the with the snow and sure. just place, places to put it and you know that sort of thing so he would be like dead <laughs> you know, he would be exhausted and as, you know, he said when he was younger, it was it was not that hard. He could just stay up all night and, you know, go coach or go coach a game or practice or whatever. But as he, he was getting older, it was just getting harder and harder for him to, you know, be able to be functional. Sure.
0: You know,
10: <laughs> on like two hours. Of
0: sleep. Yeah, exactly.
10: So, um, really, you yeah, know, he's just, and he's a funny guy. So he just, we had fun with that story as far as, and the kids all know, you know, when, they would text him and say, "Oh, how many hours of sleep did you get?" You know, so they would. And when his daughter Chelsea played for the, his team, she would always warn the kids, you know, uh, "Dad was up all night last <laughs> night, so he might be a little It Might not you know.
0: be his best uh, best effort. Exactly.
10: Today. And so they knew to kind of tread carefully around him um, that next day. But um, you know, but he had always just always has a good program. Always has a lot of success. Um, you know, good guy. It just he it was that was a fun story to do. So. Yeah. Uh, except for the getting up at you know whatever four right, a.m. Yeah, to, well, because we I knew that I was going to be part of it, and I was kind of hoping to be on the other end because I'm more awake, you know, around midnight. But getting up early and then you know going out there was just like, uh. What I was actually hoping to do was spend the time with him um, during a snowstorm, mm-hmm. but it just didn't. We weren't sure if it was going to snow again after that, and we said, well, this is going to have to be good enough, you know, pictures of them moving the snow and right. whatever, so, and he was yeah. still dealing with it. And we would have had to spend all night with him, obviously, if it was a snowstorm.
4: Yeah.
10: Like, we wouldn't have left. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know if it, it's that interesting. <laughs> so, so that, that was one story that we did um that was kind of
0: fun to do. Yeah, no, that's great. sort of seeing as you said, you know, these uh the 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 people in the community probably just see the coaches on the sideline and and you know, it's easy to forget that that's uh for for nearly all of them that's not their full-time job, it's uh you know, right. something they do to because they love it, but uh right. there, there's a lot of things going on uh, around them that maybe people aren't uh, are not aware of and that's right. it, it's certainly exactly. interesting to kind of see how that folds into their uh into the coaching aspect of things. Right any uh any other stories that uh, that come to mind sort of as as you look back on the year that were uh, uh particularly memorable as you tried to uh try to remember what it was that we were doing uh exactly, several yeah. months what, ago.
10: what <laughs> <laughs> um well I guess the other one that i um wrote this year was um about the uh southington softball coach davina hernandez she um obviously is a cousin of aaron hernandez um who you know, committed suicide in his jail cell um,
7: mm-hmm.
10: earlier this year. that oh, was during softball season, actually. And I've always known, you know, obviously I've known that she's his cousin, um, and I've always kind of just stayed with the, you know, relationship that we have as, as a coach and a reporter, I've always kind of stayed away from that. I just thought, you know what, she's her own person judge her, you know, not judge her on her own merits, but she's, you know, that really doesn't have anything to do with softball sure. as far as, you know, wh- how she's coaching the team and that sort of thing. So I never re- I never really talked to her about, it, never, about any, you know, before this year, um, because I just didn't feel, feel like it was something that we needed to talk about mm-hmm. as far as Southington softball was concerned. Um, then that happened, and... You know, we were trying to get to talk to people, you know, who were relatives of his. And I did contact her the weekend before for a story that we were that I wasn't working on, but somebody else was working on. And she um, never got back to me. And I said, okay, that's fine. You know, at least I tried to call her. Right. Well, then they played NFA, and that was the, fa- the week after everything happened. Mm-hmm. And I went to the game, and NFA was undefeated. I believe Southington was undefeated. And so they could one, two-to-one, it was a great game. And when I saw her before the game, she apologized for not calling me back. She said, I really couldn't. And I said, okay, I understand that. That's fine. I said, can you talk about it now? And she said, she thought about it. She said, yeah, I think I will. And I said, okay. And I thought, and we did after the game, and I thought it was very brave of her. I mean, she seems like, you know, that's that's her anyways. She's dealing with lupus and... You know and her parent you know her father has had transplants um and he's you know not in the best of health and and she's just that kind of person that if she feels like something is you know this is what she needs to say, she just said it, and her message was basically, you know what, we're a family you know, I grew up with Aaron, he helped me get to where I am, or I was you know as a softball player, she played for the Puerto Rican national team, she was a very good softball player at uMass mm-hmm. and working out with him in high school, you know, they grew up, they were cousins, they grew up together, they went to birthday parties together, they were a very close-knit family, and her message was, how can I not support him? And it was a difficult story to write, because obviously everybody, you know, had this certain view in their mind of Aaron Hernandez and sure. what he did, and he was serving a life sentence for murder, and, you know, but then then you talk to somebody in his family, and it's like, you know, what would you do if it was your cousin, brother, sister? Right. You know, what would you, how would you act? Like, what would you do? Put yourself in her shoes and tell me what you would do honestly. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you got to have some kind of empathy for that, for the person, because, you know, it, it's not just black and white. It's very there's a lot of gray in there, you know, (laughs) and that's what I was trying to get through with the story, and I just basically let her talk in the story, it was, I didn't really get into the story that much, me, as a person, it was more her just, you know, talking about how she felt about him and growing up with him, and, and I felt like anybody could really understand that, instead of, you know, painting it, like, as a black and white thing, you know, he, he's, you know, murdered this guy, and he's in, you know, and I mean, the facts are the facts as far as, you know, the fact that he's in jail, he was in jail for serving a life sentence, but, you know, when she tells me, you know, I, you know, I I believed in him, I went to, I went to see him in court, I went to see him in jail, you know, it's hard to, and she's a very good person, and so you're like, okay, well, how do you reconcile this with, you know, (laughs) with the image that everybody has of him? Yeah. So that's what I was trying to get in the story, and I think it succeeded. I mean, there was a lot of... And I thought she was very brave to put herself out there because there's obviously a lot of haters out there and a lot of people who just feel like they can say anything on social media. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I don't know that that's a good thing or a bad thing, but um, she, you know, and she trusted me enough to tell her story. And it was... um, Those are the kind of things, you know, when you're a sports writer, you hope people can do that. And, I mean, when you're a reporter in general, that people can trust you enough to let... You tell their story, even though it's maybe something that you know is very personal to them, and you know they're no, they know they're going to get some flack for it. Yeah. Um, as far as saying how they feel.
0: Yeah, and obviously so. that was uh, that was a story, and that certainly an issue that uh, was was had a very high profile. So that is, mm-hmm. uh, you know, it's, as you say, there, there's no things aren't always as easy as we would like them to be, and it's uh, right. it's it's nice to you know to see a story like that where. You can kind of give people a little bit of a you know a perspective that maybe they haven't thought of. Uh, exactly. Not whether it changes anybody's minds or changes their views or exactly. not, yeah. but uh, yeah. it, it's it's a it's a perspective that that people probably uh, are are is worth seeing for for folks sure. out there. Sure. Sure. Well, Laurie, we, uh, we greatly appreciate you uh, working hard to, to, to go back into your uh, memory banks a little bit. I know we, uh, we all uh, can kind of try to, to wipe the slate clean once we, uh, we get the through the season. But uh, as, I, as I mentioned to you in our preparation, unfortunately, they pay me uh, for 12 months. So I've got to uh, kind of keep the high school sports flame burning a little bit here during the summer months. So we, uh, we greatly appreciate it. Those are some great stories and uh, certainly worth remembering from the past year. And we know you'll have uh, lots more for us coming up for the uh once we get to the fall. So thank you very I much. So. Appreciate it. Thank you. We're checking in with folks all around the state to, uh, to get their perspective on some of the best moments uh, in high school sports from 2016-17. And in this case, that sends us down to uh, Fairfield County and Scott Erickson of the Stamford Advocate. So, Scott, we'll, uh, we'll cede the floor to you and ask uh, just the simple question we've been asking all of our folks here. Um, when you look back at the 2016-17 season, uh, what are some of the moments or stories uh, that are really going to stand out to you uh, as we move forward?
11: Um. It was, I had a, a great spring. I mean, it was really so many good things happened in baseball and softball. But the thing uh, that was kind of the overriding theme of the whole year was the incredible fan support that was generated out of two towns down here. Not, they're not on my regular beat, but Wilton and Richfield.
4: Mm-hmm.
11: They were just at everything. And when I say they were at everything, I mean like the entire student body and then a lot of the communities. Yeah, uh, seemed to start following these teams. Um, I first noticed it with the Wilton boys basketball team this year. I went and saw them play Ward, and the Wilton Fieldhouse, which is a big place, was packed.
4: Mm-hmm.
11: Packed. And there was very few Ward people there. It was packed with, with Wilton people. Uh, then I went to see them play at Ridgefield. That's their rival. But again, just a full gym, loud, excited. And then one of the best sporting events I've ever been to, Um, you know, it's hard to beat Mohegan Sun on that uh, (laughs) that basketball weekend, but we were at Alumni Hall in Fairfield for the FCI championship this year, and it was Wilton Ridgefield, two huge rivals, neither one's ever won an FCI championship, and they filled the place, and I've never seen bigger student sections, louder student sections, the game went to double overtime, it was just this fantastic, fantastic thing, and I'd been talking about the game recently, and I'm almost, you know, I, I know that Richfield won, but I think that's the thing that'll go from my memory first, was, you know, who won the game, the details of the game. But I will never, as long as I cover any of this stuff, forget that atmosphere in Alumni Hall. And, and that's what high school sports can be. Mm-hmm. You know, like that, that is, I, you know, we all go to a lot of empty gyms and <laughs> see a lot of empty bleachers, of these yep. things. But when it's like that, and it seemed very natural and pure. I mean, it wasn't forced by the school. They, nobody was making these kids go. And what's great about it is when you look up in the crowd at a basketball game, you see lacrosse players and football players and and hockey players and kids from all the other sports there to support their team. Uh, and that carried over into baseball season because Wilton played in the FCAC championship at Harbor Yard, and that's... Baseball's never really really well attended you yeah. know? Um, but again they brought a huge student section and a huge like, part of the community and, and kids in their little league uniforms and stuff like that and I, I really hope that schools can kind of pick up on this and, and follow along with this I, I wrote something recently about how New Canaan and Darien have terrible fan support they have these elite programs across the board with high level athletes and it seems the other athletes at the school don't attend the games, yeah you know, even football when Darian 's playing an opponent that isn't very good there's a small crowd there
4: mm-hmm.
11: and it doesn 't make any sense to me why Wilton and Ridgefield have just turned out for all their kids, McCain and Darian haven't you know, and you hope something clicks, and maybe it's a you know the senior class wasn't into it or something, and the next year they will be but I really wish that people could see what was going on in Wilton and Ridgefield, and I know it helps to have good, successful teams, sure. but there's nothing like that, those type of atmospheres in high school sports, and, and anyone that was in that gym or at Harbor Yard that night can can attest to that. It just makes everything more exciting and yeah, it, it was uh, like I said, one of the greatest experiences of my life covering sports or being around sports, and, and that, that's saying something, you know.
0: Yeah, no question. That's uh, that's the stuff, you know. And, and as you said, what what I think is exciting about it is that it's uh, um, you know it's genuine and it's it's just uh, authentic uh, in a way that you know you can't. You know, and, and I know every school and, and certainly, yeah, we, you know, at, at the CIAC, we, we love to, to find ways to get all that atmosphere, that kind of atmosphere for all of our championships because it, you know, it adds to, to the event for the kids who are participating to have that kind of. Uh, but it's it sort of it seems like it's one of those things that you can't uh, you can't always bottle it. You don't know why it works some places and not at others. But uh, but when we see it, it certainly is a. Uh, is great. So that's uh, that's one I was not expecting, Scott, and I'm uh, I'm happy to hear it. That's a great uh, a great uh, lesson and a great thing to, to take away from uh, from 2016-17. So we appreciate it as always. We're going to uh, move along here, not take up too much of anyone's time, but we uh, <laughs> we appreciate all the great high school sports coverage uh, that you provided and uh, and for pointing out that uh, that particular memory for us.
11: All right, thanks, Joel. Uh, we'll see you in the fall.
0: Thanks so much to all of our guests this week. Really enjoyed this. Uh, Hopefully this is a tradition we can keep going here in the CIACCath, getting this posted sometime in uh, July. I think we were a little earlier last year, so I may have to be a little more organized next year. Took a little more time off for the 4th of July this year than I did last year. But we'll uh, hopefully be able to keep this going. I think it's a nice way to, uh, to look back at the high school sports season, get a lot of different perspectives, hopefully get a lot of different coverage of great stories and great teams and great things that went on in the world of high school sports over the past year. So thanks again to all of our guests. We really appreciate them taking some time to chat with us. We will be continuing to post here with the CIAC cast. So uh, the best way to know when we're, uh, we've got a new one, subscribe. Uh, in, uh, in the Apple Podcasts, you can uh, find us there. You can subscribe. The, link's I- the link is right there on CIACsports.com. If you look for the cast link, you can subscribe there. We would love it if you would subscribe and rate us and leave us a review. That would be exceptional as well. We'd really appreciate that. Good way to know how, how we're reaching you folks. Um, and, of course, you can always follow us on Twitter. At CIAC Sports. We post anytime we've got a new story on the website, anytime there's a new podcast, anytime there's a new anything, uh, just about we have it there on Twitter along with Facebook.com. So as I said, be, uh, check it out tomorrow. We're going to have, uh, if you're listening to this on Thursday, uh, on the 21st, we're going to have the number one championship moment as voted by the fans. Uh, we ended up getting about almost 1400 votes there between, uh, online social media and on the website. So I thought that was pretty good. Uh, and, and we'll see what the, uh, what the winner was that will be, uh, posted tomorrow, uh, or the 21st of July. And, uh, and as I said, we will be coming back with some, uh, some, some podcast through the rest of the summer leading into August. And, uh, heading into the fall season, haven't quite figured out what we're doing, but hopefully usually like to try and get a kind of different couple different conversations, uh, during the summer, maybe some longer chats with some folks and, and a uh, little something different when there's not, um, actual games and stories to be, uh, covering. So Keep tabs on that. Remember to subscribe to the podcast in the Apple uh, Podcast app. And uh, until then, we hope you're enjoying your summer. Hope you enjoyed this look back at the 2016-17 season. Now, time to to turn our eyes forward, and we hope you will be back with us to do that on the next edition of the CIC Cast. <laughs>